Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and the development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, it's only our third episode of 2022, but we are doing our first flashback episode of this year. We are flashing all the way back to the 22nd of August, 1961, to do a story from issue 49 of House of Secrets. It's a story starring the character of Mark Merlin. Yay. Who is Mark Merlin? I hear you exclaim. (laughs) Pete, say, do you want to tell everyone who Mark Merlin is? Sure. I think Mark (laughs) Merlin is probably best summed up by... If you imagine a Silver Age version of John Constantine, then that's pretty much Mark Merlin. He's kind of like a supernatural investigator. If you combine him with Doctor 13, then that's pretty much who Mark Merlin is. He's basically a supernatural investigator, with a sidekick, obviously. Mm. As well as having some mystical powers himself, he also debunks people with mystic powers and also fights people with mystic powers. It's very exciting. It's very good stuff and a lot of fun. And also really kind of weird. You get a really weird mix of different types of stories with Mark Merlin. Yeah. So it's always entertaining, always fun. He's a very long-lived character. He ran for quite a while, didn't he? Yeah, he first appeared in House of Secrets number 23. That came out in June 1959. And he ran all the way until issue 73, where a massive change for the character occurred, which we'll get into yes. after we talk about this story. Yes. In the meantime, here is some more history of Mark Merlin. Basically, he began his career by solving his uncle's murder and inherited his mansion, Magical Curios, and his assistant, Elsa. He continued his interest in the occult and became a skilled magician. He used a magic eye to cast illusions. He and Elsa spent their lives dedicated to exposing fakes and battling the supernatural. During one of his early adventures, he discovered a mystical cat-headed amulet which enabled him to transfer his mind into a black cat named Memakata, whom he found in the tomb of the pharaoh of the same name. In times of danger, he would mind hop between Memakata's body and his own. That would be so useful. So yeah, that's kind of the setup for Mark Merlin. Yeah. When did you first become aware of Mark Merlin? Do you remember? I think that was in the Whatever Happened To story, which was in DC Comics Presents, which we'll be covering at a much later date. Right. What about yourself? I, I can't remember. It must have been around about the 1992-1993 period when I was getting properly hardcore mm-hmm. in DC. I've been trying to think, and I don't think I've really read too many of his stories at all. I just kind of have them in my head as one of these background characters. Sure. A bit like Roy Raymond, I suppose, who we have a plan to cover. Yeah. Guy in a suit, not a superhero adventure types. But this is a very interesting story, which completely falls under a remit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. As I say, this story was published on the 22nd of August, 1961, and that's literally about a month after Flash 123. The Flash of Two Worlds, gosh. It was all going on. So anyway, do you want to tell everyone about the cover to issue 49 of House of Secrets? I certainly shall. Thank you. This is House of Secrets issue 49. You've got the large House of Secrets logo at the top. Ten cents, folks. Lots of bang for your buck there. Mm. Or your tenth of a buck, as it were. The main part of the cover is taken up with a swirling blue vortex. And a grey-faced alien is staring at us down there. He's creepy, massive green eyes. He has a fin for a head. And he's a lovely popped-up collar. Because mm. he likes to be snazzy. Mm. Coming down from this vortex is a beam of light. And it is picking up our heroes, Mark Merlin, and his assistant, Elsa. Elsa's grabbing onto Mark's belt, and Mark is saying, You shouldn't have tried to hold me back, Elsa. Now we're both being drawn up toward that warp in space. And just in case there's any doubt, there's a wee corner circle that says, A Mark Merlin mystery. 
And the title of the story is emblazoned, saying, Captives of the Parallel World. Yeah, it's a very exciting cover. Very dynamic. This alien guy looks like he means business. It must be said. Yes. There's actually three stories in this House of Secrets issue. The first one deals with a boy who can create rainbow bridges, which is uh, an interesting little thing. Oh, right. Yeah. That's very topical. Yep. Very Asgardian, but there we are. But anyway, this is the third story. The opening splash page of the Mark Merlin story. Large image of Mark with Elsa. Mark, we should describe him, he's wearing a kind of brown jacket, blue jeans, brown boots that his jeans are tucked into. Elsa's wearing a red dress with a sort of white scarf, short blonde hair. Mark is a brunette. They're standing with a, an alien figure, and Mark is blowing a big puff of air, which is dislodging some other aliens from a car. Mm-hmm. It looks like a fancy, nice Batmobile, to be honest, with a big spike at the front, and it's flowing through the air, yeah, and Mark's uh-huh. blowing at it, and it's tipping out. And as all this is going on, Elsa is saying, Luckily for us, Mark acquired superpowers in this dimension, so he could stop our pursuers by blowing their vehicle into the air. And we have a text box at the top of this page which says, Imagine another world no farther away than your fingertips, embracing us on every side. Into this strange dimension stumbles Mark Merlin, far-famed sleuth of the supernatural, as he and Elsa become... Captives of the the Parallel parallel World. Gosh, how exciting. Yes, I love that straight away. Another world no further away than your fingertips. In strange dimensions. Mm -hmm. Superb. Excellent. This completely falls under our criteria. Anyway, so we're into the story. The caption for the first panel says, In a remote area out west... Mark Merlin listens to an astonishing account. Yeah, it looks like we're in the middle of a western. We're in a desert. We're with Mark and Elsa. And they're with a couple of cowboys, it looks like, to be honest. They're sort of wearing brown jeans. One has a red shirt, one has a pink shirt. They're wearing large brown cowboy-type hats. And the guy in the red shirt is in the process of saying, We had that escaped criminal Vic Dan cornered among those boulders. And then, then he just disappeared. Mark replies, Hmm, and you're sure there are no caves or tunnels around here? Let's calm the area once more, Captain. Not long after... Yep, they've all obviously separated, split up. Mark and Elsa are wandering on their own among some strange-shaped rocks. Elsa says... He's right, Mark. There isn't anywhere Dunn could be hiding. But he couldn't just vanish into thin air, Elsa. He must be here. Suddenly... In the next panel, there's a massive crack sound effect and a strange, rippling, circular vortex appears in the sky. Elsa points and says... Mark! Behind you, a warp opening in space. Yep, there's a glowing yellow light at the heart of this, and in the next panel, the beam that Peter described from the cover is emanating out from the the hole at the centre of the warp and beaming down towards the ground. Mark very helpfully has some dialogue that explains what's happening. A beam, and it's drawing me in, Elsa. Gracious, there's a strange huge creature on the other side. Mark, I'll try to hold you back. Mark is looking as though he's starting to hover in this panel. He replies, no, no, Elsa, stay back. And we can see through the the warp and the the vortex and all that, that there's some machinery through this warp in space, and that's the source of where the beam's coming from. And we get a good look at the alien that's operating it. There's a pinkish tone to his skin. He has a pair of eyes that are massive on either side of his face, and there's a sort of fin that starts where his nose is that continues up over his forehead. Very oddly shaped mouth, reminiscent a bit of the, the Mekon. The Mekon from Dan Dare. He also puts me in mind of that weird gargoyle guy from the, the Wonder Woman story we did a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah. Huh? It reminds me a little bit of that. In fact, mm-hmm. the, the aliens do look a little bit like that that we see later on. He's dressed in a sort of red and yellow outfit, yellow sleeves, red mm. tunic type, and has a big fancy yellow collar, similar to the one that Pete described in the cover. So 
Mark's starting to hover. Top of page three, the caption of the first panel. But the determined girl no sooner grasps Mark than... Yep, nice wide shot of the warp sort of echoing through the sky as the beam draws Mark and Elsa up into the air as the alien watches. Mark cries, Oh no! I warned you to keep away! Now we're both trapped! And into the strange dimension hurtles the hapless pair until... Yep, Elsa has some very helpful dialogue here. She says, Mark, we've been brought to a strange laboratory by a creature scientist. Yes, everything must have been magnified through the rays of the beam. Now that we can see where they are, it's clear that the alien isn't the sort of giant size they appeared through the the rip in space and the warp that we saw in the previous panels. He seems to be a regular-sized human-type figure. He's operating some equipment. And then in panel three, some more aliens wearing different clothes to the scientist guy who we've met already, just kind of black and purple tunics. They come rushing in from behind Mark. Elsa points, saying, Mark, here come more of them. And in the caption for the next panel says, As he leaps aside to avoid the attack. Yeah. Mark is basically floating in midair, it looks like. I do like his gear. It looks very timeless. Yeah. There's a touch of the Rip Hunter when he's in his civvies sort of look to him. Oh yeah, I can see that. It's almost like Mark has sort of kicked his heels in a little spark and he's floating up into space. And as he's up in the air, he cries, Good grief, I can jump a mile here! And the next panel, well, it's not going so well because we have a helpful thought bubble from Mark here as he thinks, They're trapping me with a net! And sure enough, a net has been thrown over him and there we have it. So, top of page four. He's back down on the ground, being held with Elsa by some of the aliens. And Mark says, What's the meaning of this? Who are you? And why have you captured us? And the first alien says, We can communicate via telepathy. We have our orders. Now come with us. Caption for the next panel. Moments later. Very helpful dialogue from Elsa here when she says, Why have they locked us in this cell? Why, Mark? Why? Steady, Elsa. Caption for the next panel. Just then. And again, Elsa has some very, very helpful dialogue as she explains what we're seeing. Mark, that face, materialising, it belongs to the creature who captured us. And in front of them, sort of heralded by bursts of yellow and orange and red energy, the head of the alien that brought them through the warp is appearing in thin air. He has some dialogue in the next panel when he says, Have no fear of me. I am Professor Va. And... A prisoner too, in the next cell. I am projecting my image with a small electro-transfer device I invented. Well, maybe you can tell us what's going on. Now, the next panel is narrated by the alien professor when he says, I shall be brief. For years I worked on a machine capable of penetrating your dimension. When finally... And this panel shows the professor operating his equipment and the concentric circles appearing in the air in front of him, projecting the beam from the machine and capturing what we can see is a suited figure wearing a hat and brandishing a pistol. Gosh. Very interesting. I wonder who he could be. And as he operates the machine in this little rippled flashback panel, the professor is saying to another alien who's with him, Screed, I've succeeded at last. My pentro beam has amazing suction force. It has trapped a being from another dimension. There's a sense you don't hear every day. <laughs> That's true. I think it's quite good that Pentro Beam is amazing suction force. I can imagine it coming in very handy. Disappointing if it didn't. Yeah. Top of page five now in the first panel. Elsa remarks to Mark. That must have been Vic Dunn, the criminal who vanished. Yeah, the guy in the suit with the hat and the gun. Very interesting. The professor's head floats in front of him still and he continues the narration in the next panel saying. Yes, 
and it did not take my greedy assistant Screed long to find that out. Yes, this panel shows Screed in conversation with Vic Dunn. We get a better look at Vic Dunn. It looks like he's wearing a bow tie yes. and smoking a cigarette through all of this dead casual. He's blonde hair as well. He's an evil Barry Allen. Yeah, that's, yes, yeah. Screed has a real face on him. He looks really grumpy, and he's in the process of saying, Listen, Dan, with the superpowers you have in our dimension and your lethal weapon, you can help me take over this entire area. Dunn replies. Yeah, maybe I could, but why should I? Because it would be a mutual assistance arrangement. We, no doubt, would acquire superpowers in your dimension. I get it. After helping you get yours, you guys can go through the Professor's Beam to my dimension and help me to become a super crook. Now that seems to have come out of nowhere. Yeah. We haven't had a demonstration of the, the superpowers that Vic Dunn has achieved since coming through. We've seen that Mark can jump. Uh-huh. I wonder if there's a scene missing there. Not to worry. So, panel four of page five, we're back with the Professor's floating head in the air above Mark and Elsa. The little sparks are all still firing off. And the Professor is saying, The agreement was made, and since then, Dunn, Screed, and the group have kept this area in a state of terror. So you created another warp in the hope of drawing in someone who could help you? Yes, but I have failed. Failed. Oh, poor Professor. Elsa contributes. Gosh, Mark, if there were only some way we could get out of here. Now... This next bit's amazing. I think this might be our first instance of such a sci-fi cliche taking place in a podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which at this late stage of the game, 80-odd episodes, is quite something. So the caption of the final panel of page five says, In tearful despair, Var's image disappears. And then we notice that Mark is pointing up to a massive sort of square structure in the wall of the cell. Looks like a bit of an opening. And he says, There may be a way out, Elsa. Through that ventilator! But... How can we reach it? And on top of page six in the first panel, Mark leaps up into the air, saying, You forgot our jumping ability in this dimension. Come on, Elsa! And Elsa leaps up after him. So, caption for the next panel. Then, after crawling through the duct to the adjoining cell... And this panel shows Elsa and Mark leaping into the air, bearing Professor Var with them, and heading for the ventilation shaft again. Mark is saying, Hold tight, Professor! We'll have you out of here in the jiffy. It's worth pointing out as well, we're recording this around Christmas time, so it's very Die Hard appropriate that this is uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> I've never seen Die Hard. You've never seen Die Hard? Never seen Die Hard. Right, okay, well, I'm not putting that bit in. I don't want ridicule from our listeners. <laughs> it was only last week that I watched the first two Home Alone movies for the first time. My goodness. I know. Oh, well. Back to the plot then. And then the caption for panel three of page six says, Soon. And the professor, Elsa and Mark. Elsa and Mark looking very youthful and glamorous and very handsome and pretty, it must be said. They've managed to escape the building they were being held in. And they're out now in the city. So a cracking shot of some of the architecture behind them. Very, very interesting. The professor is saying, We are free, but what can we do? This entire area is under the control of Screed and Dunn. Screed and Dunn supported menswear at the Leeds cockpit in 1996. Gosh. Were you there? No. Mark replies, I've got an idea, Professor, but we'll have to get back to your lab and put it into action. Let's go. Caption for the next panel. But no sooner do they start than... Yep, it's a great long shot showing even more of the amazing architecture in this other dimension. And there's the car that we saw in the splash panel. It's speeding along the bridge roadway towards them. The Professor says, It is useless. Here come some of Screed's followers. Close up of the Professor and Elsa and Mark in the next panel. Mark says... Just a minute, Professor. You said Screed mentioned Dunn's superpowers. He couldn't only have meant his ability to leap high. Let's see. Taking a deep breath, Mark exhales. Yeah, and we're back. We're basically we're on the splash panel with Mark exhaling 
and blowing this car up into the air. The four aliens that are in this very smart sedan vehicle, they look very perturbed. There's a great whoosh sound effect as Mark breathes the air at them, and Elsa comments, You were right. We have a lot of superpowers here, Mark. That's an interesting thing. I'm sure we've had something like that before when someone's travelled to another dimension and had a little bit more powers than they had previously. I wish I could remember. I'm trying to think if there's been anything specific in any of the stories we've done. Oh, there's Jimmy becoming Steel Man. Of course. In the EarthX that wasn't actually called EarthX in the story. Yeah. That would be the one I'm thinking of, aye. Mm -hmm. Right, so... Back to the plot, top of page 7, the caption for the first panel. Without a moment's loss of time, the trio reaches the lab, where... Yep, we see Mark, Elsa and the Professor standing at the Professor's laboratory, and the Professor says... What is your plan, Merlin? This. You will send us back to our own dimension at once, where I will summon lawmen with many weapons like guns. Then, when you bring us back, we'll not only capture our own criminal, but help you put Screed behind bars. But that is impossible! I have not yet perfected the reverse mechanism to return anyone to your dimension. Gosh, that's a bit useless. Caption for panel three. Meanwhile... We're back with Vic Dunn and Screed and their gang. So Screed, I'm guessing, must be the guy in the black tunic. I think yeah. that's probably how we differentiate him from the others. So another alien is walking into the room and he's saying... Professor Va and the others have escaped. Dunn replies... Oh yeah? Well... I've got a pretty strong hunch where they went. Come on. Caption for the next panel. Not long after, as the harried scientist works desperately to complete his device. Yep, a nice long distant aerial shot here of the professor at work in his laboratory. Mark and Elsa with him. And then Vic Dunn, Screed and the other aliens emerge from the right. Elsa sees them coming and says, Mark, we're too late. They're here. Vic Dunn replies, Right, and no tricks, all of you. Remember... I've got the same powers as you, and a gun besides. Mark moves towards him in the next panel, saying, Done! You're a fool! Don't you realise that Screed and his pals are double-crossing you? Huh? What do you mean? Screed had no intention of ever helping you in our dimension, because he knew all along that the Professor never perfected the return mechanism. Dunn turns to Screed and says, Screed, is that true? Caption for the first panel on page 8. Screed's hand snakes out, seizes the startled thug's gun. Everyone looks a little bit panicked in this panel, as Screed has grabbed Dunn's pistol and says, With this powerful weapon in my possession, I no longer require your services. Dunn says, Merlin, do something, he'll kill us all. Ha <laughs> ha! Not even your amazing powers are as swift as the deadly missiles in this wonderful weapon. Elsa, very concerned in the next panel, says, he, He's right, Mark. We're finished this time. Hmm. Maybe not, Elsa. Caption for the next panel. With lightning speed, Mark Merlin's fist crashes into the nearby post. And there's a crash as Mark punches the support pillar for the equipment that they were standing in front of the last couple of panels. It's sort of, you can see it lingering in the background of the first three panels of page eight. And as this post snaps... All the equipment that was holding up falls down towards Screed and his pals. Screed cries, The shelf above us! It is collapsing! Caption for the final panel, page 8. Taking advantage of the diversion, Mark leaps forward and... Yep, it looks like he punches and pinches at Screed, knocks the gun out of his hand, saying, I'll take care of this, Screed. And so we arrive in the first panel of page 9. The professor is working on his equipment in the background. Mark is pointing a gun at Screed and his pals, and Mark says, Professor... You keep working on your reverse mechanism while I deliver Screed and his pals to our former cells. And the bodies all start walking off. Panel 2 has a caption that says, But Mark's hopes are blasted when he returns. Yeah, back at the lab, Mark and Elsa are talking to the Professor, and Professor Var says, Merlin, 
The mechanism is complete, but my machine, it is in the point of exploding. Then turn on that beam and hurry. Tense instants later. And we're back on Earth. You can see the warp rippling away in the sky. And coming from the heart of the warp, there's a massive blam sound effect, an explosion. Clouds of dust falling through. And the beam is working just long enough to return Mark, Dunn and Elsa. Elsa cries. The, the machine blew up, Mark. Yes, but we're back in our own dimension. So the professor was successful. Hooray. The caption then for the final panel says... Just then... And the captain and his pal have arrived. The captain says... I don't know how or where you found him, Mark, but you did something we couldn't. Come on, Dunn. You'll never get away from us again. Dunn starts to raise his hands in the air as Mark says... You can say that again, Captain. The end. end. Well, that was short and sweet. Yes, very, very to the point. <laughs> I could have done with an extra couple of pages just to flesh some stuff out, but it was loads of fun. Yeah, there would have been no harm whatsoever, given the fact that they were really only captives for a whole two pages <laughs> <laughs> yeah. before they escaped in the ventilator. True. My main feeling reading that, if I was to use a key phrase, it would be mm-hmm. Orwin Allen. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Do you know what I mean? It could could have been an episode of Land of the Giants or Lost in Space or Voice of the Bottom of the Sea quite easily. Mm-hmm. I think the city and the architecture reminded me a lot of the Forbidden Planet movie. Some of it was re- very reminiscent of that. Also, of, as we say quite a lot, is the Dalek city as well. Yes. From Scarrow that uh-huh. we've mentioned quite yeah. a lot the futuristic cities looking like yeah that's obviously the default i think for futuristic cities at this point mm-hmm. but the big futuristic roads and things coming from it that definitely reminds me of the forbidden planet movie it was a nice fun little run around for nine pages it didn't do any harm yeah i like the acquisition of weird powers in the other dimension it would have been nice to mm-hmm. have a little bit more than that if we'd as you say maybe a couple more pages yeah. to flesh out what vic dunn's experience was yep. i thought the artwork at points some of the faces looked a bit steve ditko yes uh-huh, i can see that uh-huh. especially vic dunn when he was having a bit of a sourpuss on him yeah it is mort meskin who did the, the art for this one with george russo sinks right i don't have a credit for the writer i see that's a pity mm-hmm. it did the job it didn't outstay his welcome i liked the returning to the point where they started just in time to capture the body no it was it was cool i liked the idea of the ambitious untrustworthy mm-hmm. second in command on the on the alien world taking advantage of yeah. the guy with powers from another dimension turning up that was a lot of fun funnily enough in the star wars droids cartoon i think it is there's a, a recurring villain called screed right. who's obviously an imperial i haven't watched that in decades right. but i remember the character's name uh, yeah so that completely reminded me of that <laughs> as i was uh, reading this interesting i was a bit disappointed that elsa didn't burst into song about being cold well i'm just a bit disappointed that elsa was just completely oh mark oh no <laughs> oh dear when she's basically standing there a super girl pretty much and can do anything yeah it's it's maybe not the the best story for her. I'll have to have a look and see no. if there's any other stories I've got of his lying about that I can see if she gets a bit more to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, again, it's sort of I had that that Urban Allen sort of feeling, you know, where she's maybe just the <laughs> pardon my French listeners, but you know what I mean, just the attractive dolly bird there to support the hero and make him look good. <laughs> yeah. I hope that once Screed and his pals were put in prison that Professor Vard was able to call the alien police force guys and come and deal with his violent insurrection. I hope Screed was hung, drawn and quartered, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps they will feast in his remains. Perhaps that's what they're doing in this this parallel. And we missed that, you know. Yes, that's, yeah, that happens (laughs) off camera. That's how they they feed themselves. It's a fun, disposable little tale. I think it's worth mentioning. It lets us talk a little bit about Mark Merlin. We're going to go into a bit more detail about him now Mm -hmm. because he's quite a unique history. As I say, we're flashing back to the summer of 61, just when we've had Flash of Two Worlds. So this is the start of the use of other dimensions and parallel worlds a bit more regularly. 
It's just a shame that Mark didn't encounter a different version of himself when he got there. Yeah, that's true. That would have been a lot of fun. That would have made it much more exciting. Indeed, yeah. I'm definitely interested enough and intrigued enough to do some more digging on Mark Merlin. Mm -hmm. The rest of the Silver Age pans out for him in quite an interesting way, doesn't it? Yep. Going forward to House of Secrets number 73, which at that time it was Mark Merlin sharing the book with Eclipso, who we've talked about on a previous episode. Mm -hmm. There is an interesting story called The Death of Mark Merlin. Yeah. There's another dimension involved here as well, because in this story, there's a character called the Gargoyle, who is an old foe of Mark Merlin's. He breaks into Mark's mansion and uses a device called the Lantern of Imhotep, which transports Mark to another dimension. Right. I think the dimension is called Ra, I believe, and it's inhabited by immortal Egyptians. Mark learns that he's trapped permanently on this world, where he befriends a scientist called Kranak and his daughter Rima. Now, Rima's kidnapped by a renegade called Gamal. And to rescue her, Mark uses his cat charm to transfer his mind into the statue of the cat god. The statue is holding a jewel that resembles the son of Ra, and Mark drops the jewel, then he returns back to his own body. The jewel grants Mark mind over matter powers that enable him to rescue Rima and defeat Gamal. Right. So Kranach then offers to return Mark to Earth, but there's a bit of a hitch here. Mm. Unfortunately, he can't return in his own body. So, Kranach uses their technology to recreate the body of a hero of their world called Prince Raman. Ah. And Mark's mind and memories are transferred into the body of Prince Raman, which is then sent back to Earth. And then when back on Earth, he rescues Elsa from the gargoyle and informs Elsa, as Prince Raman, that Mark is dead and will not return. Gosh. We should say, it's a, it's a very interesting story. I mean, for the for mm. the time, it's quite... I want, the, the only word I can think of is mature. Yeah. It's quite a high concept sort of idea that we're basically, we're killing off our hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's regenerating of a sort into, you know, we're putting him into yeah. a new body and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, the panel where you see Mark's body is, Mark has essentially died. It's very, yeah. very atmospheric. Mm-hmm. I can imagine reading at the time, it must have been quite mm-hmm. gosh, because you see Mark's body sort of stretched out on a gurney, basically. Yeah. But sort of in shadow, sort of in silhouette. Fading away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very respectfully done. It's quite, it's quite effective and quite moving. Mm-hmm. For a character that I don't really know too well, reading that story, it's quite sad. And you, you do feel sorry for Elsa. Yeah. Is there a romantic spark between them that Mark's having to then do this tell that, that he's gone that essentially but even though he's mm-hmm. he's the same guy in a different body yeah. does Elsa then vanish from the Prince Raman stories? No Elsa continues on through with Prince Raman right. admittedly Prince Raman didn't exactly set the world on fire I'm guessing that Mark Merlin's stories weren't hugely popular at the time Yeah, and they decided to shake it up a bit by having their cake and eating it and basically still having Mark Merlin but totally revamping the whole thing yeah. but basically his stories in House of Secrets was cancelled with a issue 80 right. so he only really appeared in just over half a dozen stories as Prince Raman yeah and I think there is one where he comes up against Eclipso isn't there yes uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. that's quite exciting that's probably worth finding yeah. listeners. It's quite, I'm sure I've read that in the past yeah, and Prince Raman himself pops up briefly in Crisis and Infinite Earths. Yep. So you can keep your eyes peeled for that, listeners, in, in many years' time when we get there. Also, as Pete mentioned earlier on, Mark Merlin and Prince Raman are dealt with in one of the DC Comics Presents Whatever Happened to Backup Strips. Mm-hmm. As we've said in the past as well, we're not going to do every single one of those, but we'll probably do. We'll probably cover this one because it mentions these guys and we've talked about them. Yeah, we'll cover this one, definitely. It feels like quite a modern idea. You can imagine a, a title that's struggling along and they go, right, we're going to give it a top-to-tail reboot and we're going to change yeah. this and going to change that. And then it, it mm-hmm. obviously doesn't work and last for another six months. It's not quite the same as flinging out everything to do with Hal Jordan and bringing in Kyle Rayner. Yeah. It's certainly a lot more interesting than giving someone a new costume. Yes. 
or moving them to a new mm. city or having a new writer and artist take over. It's it's radical. I can't honestly really think of anything quite like it, you know, where they kill off essentially a character yeah. and replace him with someone else within the confines of the same strip. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, later on, obviously, we had like the death of Superman and the people that replaced him post-crisis. Yeah. And then we had Batman with his broken back and Azrael mm. taking over. Mm-hmm. They were part of much bigger concepts. And obviously, it wasn't the core character himself that was still there. Yeah. It's hard to think of something else, especially a Silver Age example of this uh-huh. sort of thing. I can't think of anything offhand. Yeah, as I said, I mean, it goes, uh, matures maybe the wrong word, maybe mm-hmm. sophisticated uh-huh. for the time. It's, it's, as yeah. an idea, it's, it's very, very interesting. Another thing that's very interesting is Mark Merlin has popped up a couple of times post crisis. So he has, that's right. Yes. He first reappears in an issue of Detective Comics, issue 779 from February 2003, where he actually is helping the Penguin uh, communicate with the dead, which is an interesting story. I remember that, actually. It's very random, Uh because they don't really follow up on it at all. No. And it shows a complete ignorance of... (laughs) <laughs> the character's actual history. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. That was an Ed Brubaker story, that one. But then, much later on, in July 2009, James Robinson brought him back in the pages of Superman. Mm. And he appeared in a couple of issues of that. It was almost like they were starting to set something up. Yeah. But this is only a couple of years before we had the whole Flashpoint reboots. Yeah. And James Robinson, I don't think, lasted the full run just before that. I think they had a lot of stuff they wanted to tie yeah. up with Superman before that. He was on Superman for quite a while at this point, for a couple uh-huh. of years. And he was doing all sorts of crazy stuff because he brought back Atlas mm-hmm. from First Issue Special. And he brought back Codename Assassin mm-hmm. from First Issue Special. You know, yeah. One-off characters that appeared. Indeed. I mean, it was it was almost a, a cliched James Robinson thing to do by this point because you know we, yeah. we, we knew that he brought back the, the Michael Thomas Starman mm-hmm. in, in the Jack Knight Starman series. He was also someone else from First Issue Special. Yeah, it's, it's interesting sort of thinking about it mm-hmm. because this is post-crisis, post-zero hour, probably post-infinite crisis, yeah, uh-huh. post-final crisis. But this point, it's entirely possible that on these new retcon dust that there could well have been a new Mark Merlin. But these stories, yeah. from what I remember of them. The ones you've just talked about. This guy's nothing like the heroic adventurer from House of Secrets. In these tissues, basically, the parasites draining the magical abilities of Zatara, and it was uh, Mark Merlin who rescued him, right. and then tried to recruit Zatara in a mission to find the missing Prince Raman. Ah, well, that is interesting. And absolutely nothing becomes of this story. Maybe we should write to James Robinson and ask them to do something about it. When we do our DC comic, we all follow up in this story. Well, I mean, the interesting thing that's worth mentioning, because obviously James Robinson has been involved in the production of the Stargirl TV series, and Mark mm-hmm. Merlin is one of the characters that's been mentioned as uh, having a movie out yes. in the Stargirl universe. So, you know, maybe there'll be another reference to that in, in there at some point. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting, Mark Merlin wanting to rescue Prince Rama. That's very James Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is someone that knows his stuff thinking right mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to write something that's a deep cut for all the obsessive old fanboys like me that will lap this crap up and that's a shit I mean oh, the new 52 has so many things to answer for honestly there's some good among the bad but you know there's only some very little if you ask me if it denied us Mark Merlin and Prince Raman coming back then it, it certainly is a bad thing anyway <laughs> sadly there's no uh, reader reaction from this time but that doesn't stop you from telling us what you think of these stories. Please get in touch. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up a few images from this story and maybe some extra Mark Merlin bonus content, including his post-crisis appearances. Yes, I'm going to pull together a, a, a gallery of House of Secrets covers to, to put on Instagram and Facebook so you can see some more of Mark's adventures. And obviously we'll put the cover up for this issue mm-hmm. and some panels. And when we get to the far future of the early 80s, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about them. So yeah, on Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. So follow us there.
And as we've said in the past, if you can rate and review us on your respective podcast provider, apparently that helps us out as far as visibility and algorithms. So please do that for us too. And also, if you're enjoying what we do, follow the link in our link tree and you can buy us a coffee. Mm-hmm. It turns out you can now rate and review us on Spotify. Well, that's useful. So yes, if you're a Spotify listener, then please, please do that. And that'd be great. Mm. So on that bombshell, mm. I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we'll see you next time on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Gosh, Mark, if there were only... (laughs) This is great, I love this. As Screed has grabbed Dunn's pistol and says... Well, that's me, isn't it? Sorry, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting. I'm so used to you playing aliens. Right.